We are, uh, there's a lot of cool stuff going on this fall. I'm really excited. I know there's a lot going on, but uh, it's exciting and just hope to see you, see you out at some different things and be a part of serving in some different ways. So we're just finishing up our second, this is a little two-part series to kick off the school year called Discover God, Engage People. And uh, we've been going through, uh, we did Prayer Care last Sunday, and then we're doing Dare Share today. Kind of, I talked about the idea of plotting a course. I talked to you about my roommate, if you were here last week, from college. He was a, a flight major. He was majoring to, to, to be a pilot, and he is now. And I can remember seeing all the maps on his floor when he had to plot his course as a pilot. He had to know where he was going. That's what I was talking about for the school year. I just want to help lay out a course kind of for our student ministry, but also just for your life, a way to live as a follower of Jesus. We pray for people, we care for people, and then today we're going to talk about the Kind of the dares that we take, would we be, would we be daring to do that and then, uh, and then caring? So I, did, I forgot to say this last week. I kind of hinted towards it, but I want to make sure I say it now. And I apologize for not saying it last week, but the prayer, care, dare, and share, for those of you that have been to Lead the Cause, you know that that's from Lead the Cause. And I just, I didn't want you to think that I made that up. I've taken a good portion of this. I've tweaked it myself, but it's from, it's from Dare to Share Uh, that ministry, and they give us permission to use it, and I just wanted to make sure that I put that out there so nobody thought I was not giving credit where credit is due. So today, we are going to continue to plot the course, and we're going to talk about the dare and share, and we need to plot the course for our lives just like an airline pilot does so we are knowing where we're going. And I've given you sheets uh, in your folder there's fill in the blank sheets. And the reason being is we don't do this very often, but there's some things that are just really practical that I want you to be able to take with you and refer back to it. Because this is something you can literally look to and go, am I praying? Am I caring? Like, am I, what are the dares that I was encouraged to take? And am I sharing? And you can look back over the school year and be like, where am I on this course? Where do I need to veer back? And that's okay. So that's why we have those. So prayer, we talked about last week, is the beginning of everything that God is in. Everything that God's in begins with prayer because we want to bring him into it. We want to be centered on his will for what he's doing. We need to pray for each other, non-Christians, and it's through prayer that we discover more of who God is. And then care, that's for both people inside the church and outside the church, and that is God's heart for the world. It's the core of the gospel. Now, here's a question. How many of you have flown on a plane before? Raise your hand if you've flown on a plane. Okay, so it looks like almost all of you have flown on a plane before. Um, Another random question that has technically nothing to do with flying on a plane, but you'll understand why. How many of you have ever heard of the Freakonomics podcast? Anybody heard of the Freakonomics podcast? Okay, some of you. Okay, oddly enough, I love the Freakonomics podcast. I typically listen to it when I wash the dishes. If you've never heard of it, don't worry, it's fine. Um... It's, it's usually like the podcasts are typically 45 minutes to an hour long. And most people are like, I don't like long podcasts. I'm a fan of long podcasts. And so when we were, usually I listen to them when I'm washing the dishes, but I listened to, a, there was three one hour long podcasts that was on how safe airline travel is. And I listened to them while I was painting the uh, spare bedroom in my house. And what it basically said was, Airline travel is literally the safest way to travel. When you think about how many people fly, the amount of deaths, it, by, in that sense, it is the safest way to travel. But here's the thing. If something goes wrong, like bad weather, 
parts failure, navigation issues, the consequences are very severe, right? That's the thing. Although it might be extremely safe when you look at the percentages, if something goes wrong, it's really severe. So here's my next question to you. Has anyone, I'd be interested to know this, has anyone ever had the oxygen mask come down in a flight? Anybody ever had that happen? You have. Just one, one person? Okay, that's what I figured. Well, I can tell you, was it scary? Yes. I have never had that happen to me, and I'm hoping that it never does. But I was kind of thinking of this idea, I was thinking of this idea of the whole like plotting a course and a plane and, and where it goes, and, and, and I was, as I was thinking about that metaphor, I was, uh, I was thinking about what's the whole point of the oxygen mask? Well, what happens is, and I'm just, I got this from the internet, by the way. I didn't say this, okay? So when it, because it's going to sound smart and you're going to be like, there's no way Lee came up with that. When an airplane, when an airplane ascends, the atmospheric, see, I don't even know what that word means. The atmospheric pressure decreases, which means the pressure of oxygen molecules, who even know those, knew those were real, decreases too. But more specifically, when the oxygen pressure in a plane drops unexpectedly, the oxygen mask delivers life-saving, life-saving oxygen to the crew and passengers. So it's said that there's about 30 seconds before the symptoms. So what happens is when the air pressure uh, decreases and there's less oxygen in the air, there's about, it's called hypoxia. And there's about 30 seconds before these symptoms of hypoxia set in which is why it's so crucial for someone to put their oxygen mask on when they drop. So here's the effects of hypoxia. Uh, It can cause symptoms such as confusion, lightheadedness, cyanosis. Anybody know what that is? What's that? You turn blue? Okay, there we go. Uh, Lightheadedness, I already said that. Um, So as hypoxia progresses, people may pass out due to the lack of oxygen. So the conditions set in quickly when oxygen is low. And so there's about, you got about that 30 second. Well, so why do I talk about this? Well, I think, work with me here a little bit, okay? Because this metaphor, I know it breaks down a little bit, but work with me here. I think that applies to us as followers of Jesus, this whole idea of the oxygen coming down in four ways. The first one is, we, you always hear this, right? Who, who do you put the oxygen mask on first? Yourself. So we need to put the oxygen mask, when we're talking about spiritual matters, we need to put the oxygen mask on first, which is salvation. We need salvation. If you're in this room and you have never placed your faith in Jesus Christ as the one that came, lived a perfect life, died for your sins, the things that you've done wrong against God, and rose again to defeat death and give you a relationship back to God, if you've never believed that, today's the day. Like, don't let another day pass. You gotta put the oxygen mask on first. That's salvation. The second thing is we offer, just like for us, Probably almost all of you heard the gospel in church, at a summer camp, at a winter retreat, whatever it may be, you heard the gospel somewhere. Someone offered it to you. They weren't the one that saved you. Only Jesus saves you. But they offered the oxygen mask to you. That is the gospel. That is evangelism, offering the oxygen mask to those who don't have it. Number three is, and I get this is where the the, uh, example breaks down a little bit, but we offer to help other Christians put the oxygen mask on. You know, sometimes other believers around us are struggling and some of the symptoms have set in where you can kind of tell, ah, maybe they're just not showing up to small group much anymore. Maybe they're really not coming to church much anymore. Maybe you start to see some things in their life that you know aren't of the Lord. That's where we go to them and we actually offer to help them put the oxygen mask on. And we're going to talk about all these today. 
And then the fourth one is people help us put on the oxygen mask sometimes. Because sometimes we are in a place where we can't even realize that we need the oxygen mask, that we need the Lord. We need to come back to him. So ultimately, the thing is, is that the oxygen coming through the mask is the Holy Spirit's power. We cannot do Holy Spirit work without the Holy Spirit's power. See, if we try to prayer care Darren Sher on our own, we'll never really be able to do it for any kind of extended period of time. We need the Holy Spirit's power to do the Holy Spirit's work. So everything I say today is not meant to be done solely on your own power, but by faith you take action and the Holy Spirit does the work. So let's jump into it. We're going to break dare and share down in two ways. The first one was this like we did last week. We're going to talk about how do we discover God through dare? How do we engage people through dare? And underneath both of those is how do we do it inside the church and how do we do it outside the church? So we're going to talk first about discover God through dare. And here's my question for you. Don't go over to a slide yet. Here's my question. How many of you have gone whitewater rafting at, at camp and you jumped off the rock when you go whitewater rafting? Okay. Is anyone brave enough to say they didn't jump off the rock? Anybody brave enough? All right, we got some people. I appreciate that. I respect that. I respect that. You know, there's something interesting. How many of you, okay, how about this now? How many of you that jumped off the rock didn't want to do it at first, but you ended up doing it? Raise your hand. All right, so, okay, all right, yeah. So I think there's something, and I don't know exactly what happens, but I should ask the Freakonomics guy to do something on this. What happens psychologically when we're dared to do something. Like something psychological happens when we're dared to do something. It's like our brains take on the challenge in a different way that we would, that would, have, we would have never done before, right? Like some of you are like, I know we jump off that rock. I'm not doing it today. I will not do it. I'm not doing it. You get to the rock, you're like, everybody's doing it. Maybe I'll do it. And then your friend's like, you're not gonna do it? And you're like, I'm doing it. I came here to do it today. I'm ready. I'm jumping off this rock. So instead of seeing what happens is kind of when we're dared to do something, instead of seeing everything that could go wrong, we see the benefits of taking the dare. And then sometimes we do things that are just dumb and we really shouldn't do. (laughs) Having spiritual conversations is a lot like this. We see everything that could go wrong and we just decide that it's not worth it. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna give you a few dares today. I'm gonna dare you to do a few things that I think are the same are some dares that we find in God's word. So let's talk about how do we discover God by taking on the dare outside the church. The first one is this, dare to see God work. Dare to see God work. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You know, Jesus said all authority has been given to him. And then what does he do? He says, since I have all the authority, here's what I'm commanding you. Go out and make disciples. Jesus then says, not only do I give you the command, but guess what? I'm gonna go with you and do it. When we go out, if you've been with us, to uh, maybe even maybe a lead the cause mission trip or you bring out what we call taking it to the streets when we go out to have spiritual conversations. You know what we always do? We always put at least a leader, if not multiple students that have done it before. Why? Because we're challenging you to say, 
Go out and have spiritual conversations, but we want to go do it with you. And I think it's the same way we look at what Jesus told his disciples. He said, I'm going to challenge you to go out. I'm going to dare you to go out. I have the authority to do that. But not only do I have the authority, I'm going to go with you. My spirit is going to go with you. And when Jesus was on earth, he actually did it with his disciples. He went with them. He is saying, go in faith and I'll meet you there. So will you dare to see God work? I think that's a dare we need to take into consideration. Is that would we dare, would we go, Lord, you know what? I want to pray for people. I want to care for people. I want to be willing to have spiritual conversations because I want to actually see you work. I'm guilty of this. I love to have my life in a nice little box that I know is controlled, that I know is safe, that I know I got, I, I've got it all under control. And God's like, I can work there. But you know, if you started to step out of that, I would do some things that you could never imagine. That's cool. Will we dare to see God work? So just a question to think about is what's already happening in your schools, your teams, clubs that you're a part of, your friend group, that might already be an open door for God advancing the gospel. And you just go, Lord, I want to take part in that. I want to go there. I want to start doing that. So the first one is we discover God outside the church when we say, I want to dare to see God work. The second, dare number two outside the church that we discover God is through sharing your faith. Dare to discover God through sharing your faith. So not only dare just to see God work, but now the dare gets more specific and says, will you dare to share your faith? Dare to discover God through sharing your faith. This is such a cool verse in the Bible. Philemon verses, Philemon verses uh, four through six. I only put verse six up there, but I'll read from four through six. So this is Paul writing to Philemon. And he says, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love and the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus for all the saints. And then here's the verses on the screen. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. So Paul makes this connection with Philemon and he says, you know, if you are willing and take the dare to go share your faith, you will actually know me more. Now, the, the, the translation of this, when we look at different versions, there's two ways that you can understand it. Both of them produce the same thing. Between the ESV, the NIV, the NASB, some of them translate in different ways. And so it's either sharing your faith will produce knowing Jesus more or knowing Jesus even more will produce the desire to share your faith. Either way, there's an there's a idea of when you share your faith, you will know God more. It doesn't mean you're more holy. doesn't mean you're getting to heaven quicker. It just means on this earth, you will have a more intimate relationship as you share your faith, taking on the dare to say, Lord, I want to have spiritual conversations. I want to know you more. And this doesn't get set up as some like you tally them off. You're like, God, I had 10 this week. I should know you more. It's the heart of it. It's like, Lord, I just want to walk with you. Will you give me opportunities to share about you, to talk about you? And Lord, in that same way, I just want to take this verse and say, I want to have a full knowledge of who you are and all the good things that are in Christ as I share my faith. Now, I'll say this. I think uh, that often we can feel lacking in our faith. And we can feel like, well, God's not doing anything. And I think sometimes that can be is because 
we're not taking on what we'll have spiritual conversations. God will bring opportunities to do it and we're like, I don't know, you know, again, I don't know if I want to go there. And I just want to encourage us. I think you could go around this room and ask people that have had spiritual conversations over last year and they would tell you, man, yes, it was kind of scary, but I can tell you, I feel a lot closer to Jesus as I've done that. So it's just, it just doesn't matter if you're an introvert, if you're an extrovert, if you have the gift of evangelism or you don't have the gift of evangelism. It's just saying, Lord, I want to be open to knowing you more by having spiritual conversations. So let's talk about daring number three, which is how do we discover God within the church? That was outside the church. Daring number three is, will you dare to help shepherd others back to the fold? And some of you are like, what do you mean? How can I do that? I'm just a student. That doesn't matter. In the Bible, it doesn't say, well, the church, once you're past 18, then you're a part of the church. It says, no, when you became a follower of Jesus, the spirit came to live in you, you are a part of the church. Hebrews 3, 12 through 13 says, Take care, brothers, lest, any, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that leading you to fall away from the living God. Then he says, But exhort one another daily, every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness to sin. You know, the dare to bring your friends back, bring people in this room back into the fold of God, back the sheepfold, back into an intimate relationship with each other and the Lord. It's really a dare to care for and be willing to exhort each other every day. And here's the thing. When you're willing to sometimes have to tell a friend some hard truth about what's going on in their life, what you're saying is if, you're, if you take that dare on, you're saying, I actually care about you more than I care about the friendship. Because a lot of times we don't want to say hard things because we don't want to lose the friendship. I get that. That's hard. That's why it's a dare. And I think that's why Paul had to write in Hebrews, or the author of Hebrews had to write, hey, you need to exhort one another every day because it can be difficult. But that's how he's saying, literally, as you exhort each other, as you challenge each other, as you encourage each other within this group right here, that's how we stay close, stay close with each other and with the Lord. And I'm thankful for different people in my life that are willing to exhort me and call me out and help me stay on that course. We need others to help us stay on the course. This would not be a dare if it was easy. And it's not easy. And that's why Paul says, I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to dare you to it. So let's jump into the next part. How do we engage people through dare? And let's start with the first one. How do we engage people through dare outside the church? Dare number four is, well, just dare to actually have spiritual conversations. Like that's the dare. Look, would you dare to actually have spiritual conversations? Not just talk about it, not just learn about it, not just pray about it, but actually do it. Ephesians 6, 19 through 20 says, Paul saying, and pray also for me that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. He's saying, I actually have to open my mouth. I need to actually say something for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. He's saying, speak again. I've got to actually say something to have this spiritual conversation. And I'm, appre I'm appreciative of Paul, that he's willing to say, you know what? I need prayer for boldness to be able to do this. He's, Paul is even saying, this isn't natural for me. This is difficult. And he asked others today, would you help pray for me? Would you help hold me accountable? And so we all know through the book of Acts that we just went through that Paul took on that dare. He was willing to speak. So outside the church, dare number four is, 
Well, I just dare you to actually have spiritual conversations. Just do it and see what God will do, how he'll use it. Let's talk about how do we engage people through dare inside the church. This is dare number five. I think this is really key. Dare to not do it alone. Dare to not do it alone. It's, and we look all throughout scripture. Each character that we learn about in the Bible, those that tried to do it well, they all had at least another person, if not a team around them. Jesus himself, he had the 12 disciples, but he had a smaller group of three guys that kind of walked with him in an even closer way. Because Jesus is like, I can't do this alone. Matthew 26, 36 through 37 says, then Jesus went with them, this is all the disciples, to a place called Gethsemane, right across from Jerusalem. This is around when he knows he's going to be crucified. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. So he tells all disciples, sit here while I go over and pray. And then he says, and taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Jesus said, I'm taking these three guys with me because I need their comfort. I need their help. Guess what? Guess where that happens for us? And again, not perfectly, but Wednesday nights at small group. When you go to your group and you can tell them, hey, this is what happened to me at school. This is what happened when I had this spiritual conversation. This is where I'm struggling. I want to take this there, but it's hard. That's where we go and we say, I don't want to do it alone. Jesus didn't do it alone. And next, Paul didn't do it alone. We think often because we just think Paul, he kind of just was all alone. Paul was almost never alone. The main guy that he had was a guy named Barnabas. And if you know what Barnabas means, it literally means son of encouragement. So if we look at Acts 12, 25, it says, And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had completed their service, bringing with them John, whose other name was Mark. So Paul had come right at the beginning. This is right after his salvation, before his name had even been changed from Saul to Paul. He has Barnabas with him. He has people walking with him. If we want to engage people, the dare that I give you is don't do it alone. Don't do it alone. We need each other. That's why we go to such lengths to make things like Wednesday night happen, like small groups happen at summer camp and winter retreat because we don't want you to do it alone. So my dare to you is commit to a, to a small group, commit to not doing it alone. Grow in your faith when you do that. You will stay motivated to share the gospel and you will be more effective for the kingdom of God when you don't do it alone. So here's my question for you at your table. You got about, time is it? You got about three, four minutes. Is which dare resonated with you and why? Okay, all right, if you can jump back up here. I'm gonna keep going. So we talked about here's some dares to take. And now I wanna get even more practical when we talk about share. So we're gonna talk about how do we discover God through sharing inside the church, outside the church. How do we engage people through sharing both outside the church and inside the church? Now, I wanna want be clear that when you're talking about having spiritual conversations, being willing to share uh, inside the church, that looks a lot different than outside the church, right? Outside the church is the idea of evangelism. I want to uh, be able to share the gospel with someone, tell them about Jesus. Inside the church, it's going to be more uh, having spiritual conversations is like, hey, what have you been reading in the word? What's, what's been going on in your life? You know, being willing to sometimes share some, some harder truth. So let's talk about first thing, discover God through sharing outside the church. And I want to go back to Philemon 4.6 and say that how do you discover God when you share when you have spiritual conversations, when you share your faith outside the church, well, share your faith and it will be deepened. Philemon 4.6, he says, I pray that the sharing of your faith may become 
more effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. I pray that you would see this, I think what is a promise through scripture come true in your life. That as you just say, Lord, I want to be open to the spiritual conversations you have for me, wherever it leads. If I'm open to that, if you pray that, I, I pray that you would discover God through that. Discover that full knowledge of every good thing. Ultimately, I think we are meant to come in the church to get poured into so that we can go out and pour out. And that's part of sharing outside the church. So that's number one. How do we uh, engage people uh, through sharing inside the church? Well, I'd say this. Uh, this is going to be interesting. I, don't, I haven't talked about this before. Evaluate yourself first. We're talking about how do we discover God by having spiritual conversations inside the church. I would say this. Evaluate yourself first. Matthew 7, 3 through 5 says, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that is in your, in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's the log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take out the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck out of your brother's eyes. Now, Jesus is speaking in metaphor here, a little bit of hyperbole. He's, what he's saying is, he's saying often, what you're doing is you are, you are seeing what you think is this huge thing in someone else's life that you need to point out to him. He's saying, why don't you stop before you do that? He's not saying don't judge people in the right way and see what's going on in their life. He's saying, first, evaluate yourself. Take, this, take the, what really is the log out of your own eye or the thing that's really going in your life, not perfectly, but see that first before you go to call someone else out. Jesus was pointing out that a person should not be habitually critical or bringing condemnation of something small in someone else's life. So my question is, is like, are you always looking for the wrong with other people? I think if you're always looking for the wrong, that's an issue. If you care and you see what's going on in someone's life and you want to bring them back in, amen. But are we always looking for the wrong? Because if we're always looking for the wrong, then we're being hypocritical because we're saying, you've always got this issue, but we're never willing to see our own issue. So here's my question to you. Do you allow God's word to speak to your life? Because what you're saying is, you're going to someone else. If you're going to share with them, have a spiritual conversation with someone inside the church, what you're saying is, you're not following God's word. And then my question to you would be, are you allowing God's word to speak to your life first? And also, do you allow other people to speak into your life? I would want you to think about that. Evaluate yourself first to see what's going on. The reality is we should judge each other in that we help each other see our own spiritual blindness or sin, but we do it with the right heart and attitude. So if we want to discover God through sharing and through engaging people, we need to first evaluate ourselves and allow the Lord to speak to us. Now, if we want to engage people through sharing outside the church, I want to walk you through something that's really simple that you can start doing when you leave this place. It's another thing we got to dare to share that's great. It's called ask, admire, admit. Ask, admire, admit. We're going to jump through it real quick. You want to know a way when you go to school this week, how you can have a spiritual conversation with your friend and it flow a lot more easier than you think? It's ask, admire, admit. First one is, ask great questions. Ask great questions. Do you know what people love to do? 
People love to talk about themselves. Has anybody ever seen that before? I, I mean, I, I'll be honest. I love talking about myself. I don't know why you all laughed. It, feels, it makes me feel self-conscious. Um, you know, Jesus asks questions all the time. Jesus is one of the best question askers, question askers out there. John 1.38, here's what he says. This to the woman at the well. He turned and saw them following and said to them, who are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which, t- which teacher means, uh, where are you staying? I think I got the wrong one there. Oh yeah, what are you seeking? Sorry, this is not the woman at the well. This is, this is the spiritual leaders. He's like, what are you seeking? He was asking them a heart question. He was asking questions to get deeper. If you just want to have spiritual conversations with someone, just asking questions many times can begin to lead there. Here's what I want you to do. Real quick, 30 seconds, I want you to go around your table and I want you to answer this question. What are great questions to start a conversation? Literally go. Just start. Okay. Hey, real quick. Shh. Throw a few out to me. What do you got? What are your Sunday mornings look like? Because if you're starting a spiritual conversation, that's a good one. Yeah. Are you free on Thursday? Okay. What? Oh, that's going deep. What's your end goal in life? That's a good one to transition to a spiritual conversation. What, what else? What's even just a good conversation starter? You don't have to start. Yeah. What happens when you die? Well, what happens when you die? I wouldn't start a conversation like that necessarily, but that would probably transition into a spiritual conversation. Last one, go. Shh. Oh, giving them a compliment. Yeah. Well, that's a great one. And we're going to get to that in just a second. But let me, shh, let me give you a couple. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a couple. Hold on. Some just ways to start a spiritual conversation, or start just a conversation in general. Some of you don't even know how to start a conversation in general. Like, just things like, I'm just being honest. Some things like, hey, do you, oh, do you play any sports? Or, oh, you see them have a, sh- a certain, like, shirt on or jersey or something you like. Be like, oh, do you, you know, do you like that? Is that something you're interested in? That starts a conversation. Things like, hey, you know, you start, oh, like, you see someone, just things like, what do you like to do in your free time? Where are you from? Uh, what's, what's your family like? I would always be like, do you like coffee? You know, that's a great, that's a great transition into a conversation. Um, now, you guys gave some great ones. How do you go from, okay, I started a conversation to how do I get into a spiritual conversation? Here's a couple for you, more for you. Do you go to church anywhere? What was your experience like there? This is my favorite. This is so wide open. Do you have any spiritual beliefs? You could go to school this week. Ask a friend that question. I promise you it's not as weird as you think just a question. Do you have any spiritual beliefs? So ask great questions. Always start there. Second thing is, this goes off a little bit what Jack just said, admire. The second part is ask, admire. And that admire is admire what you can about what they believe. Okay. Here's something that you might think sounds controversial, but it doesn't have to sound controversial. It is okay to admire something without believing that thing. It is okay to admire something without believing that thing. Now, I'm going to break that down for you. But admiring goes a long way to building bridges. Admiring something about someone, especially about their religious beliefs, can go a long way in building bridges. This is an example. Acts 17, 23 through 23. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. He admires them. He just admires that they're very religious. He doesn't believe in all the hundreds of gods they have. He just says, I'm admiring how religious you are. 
For as I passed along and observed the objects of worship, I found also an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. And he goes in and shares the gospel. So if Paul would have come in there and said, I see you guys have hundreds of gods. None of them are true. Let me tell you about my God. They would have been like, okay. But instead Paul goes, I see that you're really religious. Do you see what I'm saying? Just even hearing that, the walls just broke down. So you can do this with your friends. Maybe you've got a friend that's uh, for people that are Muslim. You can say, man, I admire. I did this on a train one time, going out from Chicago to Wheaton to lead the cause. Sat down next to a guy. We started talking, told me he was Muslim. He t- I said, man, I really respect how you, uh, you consistently pray five times a day. Man, that opened that guy up to talking to me. Someone that's Mormon, you could say, gosh, I so admire, and, I, and this is true, that how mission-focused you are. You take that mission on. You're willing to go door-to-door to talk about your faith. I don't believe in Mormonism, but I can admire what they do. Someone that's Hindu, I would say, gosh, I just admire, I respect that you believe that there is a supernatural reality behind everything. You can find something to admire. I can remember we were out at the Herndon Festival. This is many years ago, sharing, uh, having spiritual conversations. Started talking to a guy that was atheist. And I said, man, you know what I just really respect is that you've really thought about this. You're trying to go to science and reason. Break down walls. Ask, admire, and then lastly, we get to admit. And again, this one seems a little bit interesting, but what do we admit? We admit that we need Jesus too. When you start opening up, admire things about their spiritual beliefs, and oftentimes they'll be like, well, what do you believe? And when you can get to a place where you can say, you know what? It wasn't about how good I could be. It was about my need for Jesus. And you admit your own need. Have you ever noticed that? When someone gets up and talks about all the good things that they do, you're always like, I can't really connect with that. They're too good. Have you ever noticed when someone gets up and talks about how messed up they are, you're like, I can connect to that person. And so when we're willing to admit our own need, that allows the gospel to be shared and someone to listen. Guys, you can do this this week at school. Ask, admire, admit. So my challenge to you is this. One spiritual conversation this week. Ask a great question. See what the Lord will do. And we're going to end with this, and then we're going to do that cause circle and finish with a worship song. But uh, it's this, inside the church, how do you engage with people inside the church through the idea of share? And I would say this, share your life. Share your life. First Thessalonians 2.8. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you have become very dear to us. Paul says, not only did we share the gospel with you, but then we shared our own lives with you. I challenge you guys, be involved in each other's lives. Week to week, the highs, the lows, the boring, the exciting, the good, the bad, the blessings and the sufferings. Share your life with each other. Actually go there with each other. So here's what you do. Bring out that My Call Circle in your folder. Everybody get one of those. Might have a few in the back. And this is just to help us get practical this year. Let me, hey, let me walk you through this real quick. You have an extra one in there? Thanks. Okay. Okay, listen up real quick. Shh. I'm going to walk you through this. So, in the cause circle, it's for the cause, the cause of Christ. That's why it calls the cause circle. And so, my cause circle, who is God prompting you to pray for, show care to, and share with? So, cause circle, step number one is you're always like, I just pray for them. Step number two is I care for them. 
cause circle. Step number three is I'm having, I'm sharing spiritual beliefs, having a conversation with them. So here's what I want you to do. The first three are non-Christian friends, but this year I really wanted us to know how much we not only need to be about sharing with the outside the church, but we need to care for each other. So the next two are called circle number four and five are a Christian friend. Who's a Christian friend that the Lord's put on your heart to care for? So you don't need to show this to anyone. You don't need to be looking. You can, so you need to put their name. What's your connection with them? Maybe it's school, a specific class. Maybe it's a sports team, neighborhood, whatever it may be. What's, their, what's the quick idea of kind of their spiritual story, their situation? What's going on? So you kind of know where's God moving and working. Maybe you're like, I have no clue. Maybe you're like, oh, I knew they said they used to go to church. And then your next cause step with them. So maybe you're like, you know what? I've been praying for them. Now I need to have an intentional act of care for them. So you'd, be, you'd say, I'm at step number two. Or maybe you're like, I've been praying for them. I've been caring for them. Now it's time to have a spiritual conversation. So put share with them down. So put, do pray about and just ask the Lord, Lord, who are the three non-Christian friends that you want me to reach out to this year? And who are the two Christian friends that you want me to reach out to?